And welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Very happy to have you here. Healthcare Politics. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain name registration. Pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. If you want to hear calm and clear discussion of healthcare policy, you have come to the right place. This is it. We hear... We dare to be reasonable. Now, what that means is it's okay to listen to the other side, but that doesn't mean we agree with it necessarily. But if you don't listen to the other side, there's not a whole lot of hope you're ever going to reach a compromise or, or work together on anything. I think we're seeing a lot of that in Washington this week. Just as we're speaking, the Democrats in the Senate have basically vowed to shut the Senate down by refusing to uh, agree to the routine uh, unanimous consent things that keep that particular uh, machinery going. Uh, today, our guest is the internationally known psychologist and author Craig Malkin. He is the author of the groundbreaking book, Rethinking Narcissism. And, and who is the first person you think of when you hear narcissism? I'm not going to quiz you, but here we go. Uh, he also is a contributing author, not you know who, but Dr. Malkin, is a contributing author to the soon-to-be-published book, the dangerous case of Donald Trump. But first, here's the health care news for the week. Republican senators continue to work in secret. They're called the Secret 13, in fact, on their proposal to repeal the uh, Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. It appears that the plan will be to spring the proposal on us sometime before the end of, the, of June. And if you check your calendar, that's not uh, very far off. President Trump met with the Senate Republicans last week to praise their efforts, secret as they are. Uh, quoting the president, he said, I really appreciate what you're doing to come out with a bill that's going to be a phenomenal bill for the people of our country, generous, kind, with heart. Okay. Uh, the New York Times reported that during the private, the, the secret part of the meeting, between the president and the House Republicans, or I'm sorry, the Senate Republicans, the president called the recently passed uh, House version of uh, Trump Care, uh, the president called it mean, mean, which is interesting because after that bill passed by two votes, you may recall that the president hosted a big celebration, sort of a kegger, you know, in the Rose Garden of the White House, at which time he said it was a phenomenal bill. Just phenomenal. Now, not so much. Uh, Kaiser Health News has also reported that there is a secret working group in the White House working on drug prices. Uh, the problem is that the group is led by a former lobbyist for the pharmaceutical industry, um, but there are no consumer advocates at all in the group. So um, what do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, as we reported right here last week, we have information from a confidential source, I just love saying that, confidential source, that the highly anticipated Medicare for All proposal from Senator Sanders may be introduced at the same time that the Republicans in the Senate roll out their proposal. So, you know, as the Republicans keep saying the Democrats they don't have any ideas, well, maybe they're about to uh, have a surprise. If that happens, it will be quite a battle. As we reported last week, the Nevada State Legislature passed a bill to allow any resident of Nevada to buy into the Nevada Medicaid plan. 
And this would have really helped with the problem of uh, private insurance companies exiting the state. And uh, Nevada was the first to do it. They only have about 2 million people in Nevada, which made it a little easier. But the governor just vetoed. Vetoed it. He's, he was sympathetic, he said, but it was just too complicated. Like the president said, it's hard. Nobody knew health care could be this complicated. Actually, everybody knew. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to ask the question, what are the conservative Republicans in Congress trying to accomplish? What is really going on here? And then after that, we'll talk to Craig Malkin. We'll be right back. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Folks who got health care access under the Affordable Care Act are closely watching as the new health care bill is drafted in the Senate, including some who say Obamacare saved their lives. The Senate repeal and replace legislation is still behind closed doors, although observers say it will closely resemble the bill that passed the House. That's disturbing to cancer survivor Russell Williams. After he was diagnosed with testicular cancer, Williams says he struggled to get the insurance he needed to have surgery and then what he calls aggressive chemo. He says it was a close call. One gentleman looked at me and, and his words were, so you want insurance with the late stage cancer diagnosis. I said, good luck with that. Had the Obama administration not pushed and made the Affordable Care Act happen, I'd be dead. Supporters of the Senate bill say patients with pre-existing conditions would still be covered, but others warned their premiums would go up so much they'd be likely to lose coverage anyway. For the Virginia News Connection, I'm Dan Hyman. And thank you all for joining us again this week on Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Uh, later on, we will have our extended interview with Dr. Craig Malk, and it's a good one. You'll want to stand by and listen to that. It is because... Uh, Dr. Malkin is an expert on narcissism. He wrote the book Rethinking Narcissism, and he is a contributing author to the soon-to-be-published book The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. But first, I have in front of me a letter from one of the most conservative Republican members of Congress, Keith Rothfuss. Now, Mr. Rothfuss represents the 12th District of Pennsylvania, which is an absurdly gerrymandered district, and just today... The Supreme Court ruled that it would hear a challenge to whether it's even constitutional to have uh, gerrymandered districts based on political party. They've ruled many times in the past that gerrymandering based on race was unconstitutional. Now the question is, can you gerrymander based on party? So uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Rothfuss is from this absurd uh, gerrymandered district in Pennsylvania that runs, that runs from the Ohio border about uh, 250 miles east, and at the narrowest point uh, is about 20 miles wide. I mean, it's just laughable, but be that as it may. The letter was written to Charles Showalter, who many of you know as the host of the Union Edge syndicated radio program, and Charles was kind enough to send it to me because we have twice invited Representative Rothfuss to appear on this very program at a time of, uh, of his convenience, at his convenience, and I received one polite no and one ignored request. So we're going to do the next best thing, which is we're going to look at his letter to uh, Mr. Showalter, and because this is this is uh, 
Congressman Rothfuss's own words. And so let's just see what he had to say about why he supported a bill that the president has just said was mean. And uh, by the way, uh, Representative Rothfuss went to the big celebration in the Rose Garden after he voted in favor of that mean health care bill. And when they took the big group photo, you know, like after the Stanley Cup, everybody fights for position. Well, uh, Representative Rothfuss got a beautiful position right by the president. So if you look at the at sort of the uh, prom picture, he's right there. He's like third from the uh, top, be that as it may. Here's, here's what uh, Mr. Rothfuss said in his letter to Mr. Showalter. It starts you know, pretty encouragingly. It says, the goal of any health reform proposal should be for Americans to get the health care services they need from a doctor they choose at a price they can afford. Now, who, who can disagree with that? I think, okay, so far so good. We need to work, he wrote, toward common sense solutions that will lower costs empower healthcare consumers, and put patients and doctors in control of healthcare decisions, where do I sign up? I'm all in. Um, hmm. He then takes about three paragraphs to knock the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. He's, he says the, the premiums are going up. Uh, he's against all the taxes that were adopted so that that could be paid for without exploding the deficit or adding to the budget uh, shortfall. Uh, he never admits that there was a problem in the first place. Now, you know, if you're more than 10 years old, you'll recall there was a lot of trouble with the healthcare industry and particularly the insurance industry before the Patient Protection and Affordable Health Care Bill was passed. But... Um, it, it certainly wasn't perfect. It was Democrats only, as you'll recall. Uh, Mr. Rothfuss has all those criticisms in, in this letter, yet he never uh, offered even one suggestion. When he, All the years he's been in Congress, never did he propose an improvement to the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. All he did was vote dozens and dozens of times to repeal it. Never once did he suggest how to make it better. So he never recognizes that before the patient protection part of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act was passed, insurance companies were just running roughshod over Americans bigly. For example, it was commonplace for insurance companies when somebody actually became ill, you know, like developed cancer, that they would just throw that person off the insurance. And when the, when the person had been, who had been paying premiums for years and years said, wait a minute, what's the deal here? I've been paying these premiums, and now that I've got cancer and I, I need your, your help, you're throwing me off? And their answer was, yeah, isn't that a, a rough uh, thing? Perfectly legal, but uh, I don't see anything here from Congressman Rothfuss suggesting that there was anything wrong with that. Uh, he also fails to note that the the policies that were sold before the Affordable Care Act were by and large full of holes, you know, Swiss cheese policies. And if the insurance companies felt like the prices might be getting a little high, the premiums, and they wanted to keep them low, they would do things like just reduce what was covered. 
And as I've said many times on this show, by the way, I'll be glad to sell you an insurance policy for 100 bucks a month as long as I never have to pay on any claims. And by the way, if you get sick, I get to throw you off. So I can, but I can sell you a really cheap policy, which, you know, the Republicans and President and Mr. Rothfuss would likely love. As he then talks about the uh, Trump-Ryan care bill that was just passed and that the president says is mean, um, now that was passed in the House, it's kicking around the Senate, who knows what's happening there because it's all secret, of course. But uh, Congressman Rothfuss says in his letter, it ends the mandate that required every American to buy a product, he means insurance product, whether or not they needed it, wanted it, or could afford it. Well, I'm interested in meeting the person who doesn't need health insurance. I'd really like to meet that person. Maybe if they're incredibly wealthy, they don't need it, but there aren't a whole lot of those. And then he said, people who want it, even if you don't want it, is are there people out there who don't want insurance, that don't want health care if they get sick? Once again, if you're filthy rich, I guess you'd be in that category. But that's a pretty small handful. What about the people who can't afford it? Well, Congressman, if you take a minute, and you read the Affordable Care Act, actually read it instead of just voting against it. If you actually read it, you'll note that there are all sorts of ways that a person who's, who's uh, middle class or lower middle class can afford health insurance. You might qualify for the Medicaid expansion, in which case you pay uh, virtually nothing. Or you might qualify for one of the health exchanges, in which case I think the average contribution or the average premium after the government subsidy is something like a hundred bucks a month. So when you say the people may not want to buy it because they can't afford it, a lot of trouble went into the Affordable Care Act to make it so people could buy it. Now it's, there are cases, I buy my insurance, by the way, full disclosure, through the marketplace. I don't get any subsidy at all. I pay my own uh, cost, but that leads to another point, and that is pre-existing conditions. The, before the Affordable Care Act, if you had a pre-existing condition and roughly 50 million Americans below the age of 65 have pre-existing conditions that would disqualify them from buying insurance from a lot of people or from a lot of insurance companies, the Affordable Care Act made that illegal. In other words, any insurer who wanted to be in the insurance business was required to sell their insurance to whoever wanted to buy it. So that meant that a lot of people who had pre-existing conditions, for example, they'd had breast cancer or diabetes, or maybe they were obese, or maybe they were in a dangerous uh, employment, they could get insurance. Now, Mr. Rothfuss thinks that one of the great things about this House bill is that that goes away, yet he then very quickly later in the letter says, oh, but we did something to sort of save it, but really it didn't happen at all like that. Now, we're going to come back to this in a future show because until the, the people that, that favor the repeal have the courage to come on this radio program and defend themselves, all we can do is read their own stuff. And when we do, we're going to call them like we see them. So that's, that's enough for today on commentary. Join us. We're going to stay with us. We're going to have Dr. Craig Malk, and we're going to talk about narcissism and you-know-who. This is Healthcare Politics, Steve Larchuk.
You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college, which ends up making the future better for all of us. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Hey, Russell Wilson here, and I know how important exercise is. It's essential. It's essential. With Play 60, United Way and the NFL are helping kids stay active and play at least 60 minutes a day. Healthy kids. Healthy kids. But what this place needs is you. To donate or volunteer, go to unitedway.org slash play60, because great things happen when we live united. Donate, donate. Are you guys going to do that every time? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. While college and university tuitions go up and up, higher education administrators have been spending less on students' education. Today, only a quarter of higher ed faculty has secure full-time jobs. The rest are so-called adjunct faculty, hired on a per-course temporary basis, often with no benefits and are paid just $2,700 on average per course. Dedicated adjunct faculty across the country are joining together and fighting back in defense of their students' future. In Pittsburgh, they have formed the Adjunct Faculty Association, affiliated with United Steelworkers Union. Adjuncts and students all over the city are joining the AFA to achieve the goal of providing high-quality, affordable higher education. To know more or to support Pittsburgh's adjunct faculty, give us a call at 412-562-6967 or find us on the web at usw.org. Again, that's 412-562-6967 or usw.org. Together, we can take higher education back. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood, or an earthquake is destroying buildings. Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and if you think I'm just gonna keep ticking away, you're wrong. I can quit whenever I want, but I like my job. Just treat me better. Maybe we can do some exercise on occasion? After all, we're in this together. Don't let your heart quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk. And this week, let's talk narcissism. What is narcissism? What is echoism? Uh, Here's a hint. It's the opposite of narcissism. If you're the opposite of a narcissist, you're an echoist. And, And when we say he's such a narcissist, what do we think we mean? And, and why is it that we never accuse someone of being an echoist? Uh, I'll bet you in your whole life you've never heard someone accused of being an echoist. Yet you've probably heard maybe yourself accused of being a narcissist. Oh, you're such a narcissist. Uh, so this week, uh, we're going to take a deep dive into narcissism with one of the, the real experts on the subject. And... In the second segment, we're going to have this guest with us for the rest of the show, and we're going to do three segments 
In the first segment, I call the eat your vegetables segment because we're actually going to learn something. It, it's always helpful to actually know what you're talking about. And you, when this is over, you won't be an expert like our guest, but you'll know a whole lot more than when you started. Our guest is Dr. Craig Malkin. He's an author, a clinical psychologist, an instructor of psychology at Harvard Medical School. Uh, He has written articles that have appeared in Psychology Today, uh, Time Magazine, Women's Health, and others. He's uh, a frequent guest on various media. Uh, He's appeared on Fox, for example, and NPR. Now, that's a real trick, to be attractive to both Fox and NPR. You know that the, the man must be an expert. He's the author of an excellent book. And I have an autographed copy here in front of me. As a matter of fact, uh, we met a couple of years ago, and he signed the copy for me. It's uh, on my bookshelf, and I refer to it often. It's called Rethinking Narcissism. And it's actually about to go into a second printing, and the subtitle is The Secret to Recognizing and Coping with Narcissists. So you can imagine that with a title like that, Dr. Malkin has... uh, been quite the popular uh, guest on radio shows. So I thank you so much, Dr. Craig Malkin, for joining us. Uh, welcome to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Well, it's, it's my pleasure, and, and it's an honor for all of us. You're up in Boston uh, taking some time out from your practice. You're a, an active practicing psychologist, is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. I actually am still practicing right now. You would think that I'd be taking time off because we're in the midst of a major renovation and we're displaced to a rental home, but I'm still practicing and writing. (laughs) Well, good, good. Let's let's talk about narcissism. Uh, That that term is getting a lot of traction in the media and has ever since you-know-who started running for office and then uh, won, and as I indicated earlier, we'll get into that in the next segment. But let's start with simple. Uh, I, I mentioned already there's sort of a spectrum. Uh, in your book, you say there's a spectrum 1 to 10, with echoism being 1 or 0, and narcissism all the way over to 10. So why don't you give us the, the spectrum? What, what's a narcissist? What, a, what is a narcissist? Absolutely. So first we have to start with what narcissism is, uh, which means saying a little bit about what it isn't. Uh, when mo- most people think of the word narcissism or narcissist, they think of vain, preening, pripping, boastful braggarts, reality TV types, and Donald Trump's name has been thrown around a lot because of that. But the reality is not all narcissists care about looks or fame or money, and some can be extremely quiet. Uh, if you get too focused on that, you miss signs of trouble that have nothing to do with vanity or greed. Really, the way you want to think about narcissism, because of the research, is that we know around the world most people see themselves not as average compared to other people, but as special or unique. The vast majority of people in the world feel a little bit exceptional or unique, to quote University of Brown researcher, uh, Washington researcher Jonathan Brown. And when we have that calm rose-colored glasses, that's healthy narcissism. It helps us feel more optimistic, more uh, persistent in the face of failure, have big dreams, in our research, we found people are able, better able to give and receive in relationships. Think of that as the drive to feel special. That the, that's what narcissism is. If you don't have any, now we're looking at the spectrum zero to ten. If you don't have any zero, that's a problem. 
you might be anxious or depressed. More importantly, and I go into great detail in rethinking narcissism about this, you're more likely to fall into relationships with extremely narcissistic friends and partners. That is what you're referring to. That's echoism. Uh, named after the nymph Echo is cursed to repeat back the last few words she heard. Uh, like Echo, people who struggle with echoism uh, tend to fall in love, just as she fell in love with narcissists who fell in love with themselves. They tend to fall in love with extremely narcissistic people and they struggle to have a voice of their own. If you get past healthy narcissism and become a dependent on or addicted to it, that is when we can start to talk about somebody being a narcissist. It's not a diagnosis. It just means somebody higher in traits than the average person on this drive to feel special. But when they become extremely addicted, lie, steal, cheat, do whatever it takes to get their high, and self-soothe themselves with feeling special, just like anybody who, who has a, an addiction problem, that's when they start to have problems and be problems for other people, and that's where you get into pathological narcissism around nine or nine or ten. Now you, so that's the spectrum. You wrote, you start your book by talking about your own mother, and since yeah. you put it in your book, I guess you don't mind talking about it. Uh, tell me, I mean, as you were growing up, what what was it about your mother that you noticed? Some things I noticed in retrospect, really. It's hard to get, you're getting more than I even say in rethinking narcissism. It's such a great question. Thank you. But, but some, so when I was younger, I was an echoist. I had to adapt. I had to cope with my mother uh, struggling. She was often in the dark. She may or may not have had migraines, and I became her caretaker. People who struggle with echoism are often very good caretakers. In our research, we found they're most warm-hearted of all the people we studied. You can actually measure warm-heartedness. <laughs> and uh, I was there putting the, the towel on her head, and I don't, I don't think she actually thought about what I might have been missing out on or how it might have been a problem. I think she liked the attention. So when I, when I was younger, I felt like I had this special connection with her, even though it was me tending to her. And then as I got older... What I saw in her was she was very outgoing, charismatic. She was a real leader in community. Uh, but as her way of feeling special, that is her looks, started to fail her. She became bitter. She became uh, addicted to painkillers. She was very uh, unpleasant and often put me and, and, my, and my brother down when she was in a bad mood. So she demonstrated to me the whole range of healthy and unhealthy narcissism. That, that's what's confusing about it for people in relationships with somebody who's extremely narcissistic is that the healthy and unhealthy narcissism don't rise and fall in perfect step with one, one another. They're related. So a person can have both even when they're pathological narcissists, even when they have what's called narcissistic personality disorder. Well, this is um, this is something you cover in your book and. Your book is more than just uh, interesting. It's not Cosmo. It's it's actually, a, as I see it, a resource because you never know when somebody with uh, extreme narcissism or disruptive narcissism may get in your life. And so we're going to talk about, when, we're gonna, first of all, we're going to take a break, Dr. Malkin. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Exhibit A when it comes to narcissism. And that's not just some flip, uh, 
statement from a talk show host. Uh, we're really going to get into the science of it when we come back. So just stand by, everybody. Come back. We're going to be talking about you-know-who, Donald Trump. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a Diversified Media Enterprises production. I'm Doug Cunningham. Novato Healthcare Center Nursing Home is under an NLRB order to rehire and pay tens of thousands of dollars in back pay to five workers in California. They were organizing a local of the National Union of Healthcare Workers, NUHW, when they were fired just two days before an NLRB union representation election. Despite the firings and an intense anti-union campaign, the workers at Novato won their election in 2015, but they have yet to win their first collective bargaining contract. Richard Draper is an NUHW organizer. These are just very remarkable people who take care of some of the most vulnerable people in our society are wanting to just be treated with respect. That's why they decided to join our union. They don't make a lot of money. And these folks stay at this facility because they care about these residents. And for the employer to violate their rights to treat them how they have, it's just pretty despicable. Draper says these workers had to endure an intimidation campaign from Novato management simply to exercise their legal rights to form a union. The facility became a real war zone for almost two months during the organizing campaign. This is another example of where at some point in our country we need to focus on strengthening labor laws, especially the laws that protect workers when they act collectively because it's not strong enough. The penalties for employers should be much more severe because there's not enough fight to the law. Too many employers violate it. Novato has appealed the NLRB ruling reinstating the fired workers, but Draper says these workers will prevail in asserting their legal rights to organize. For WIN, I'm Joanne Powers. Members of the nation's largest union of charter school educators announced Friday that they have voted overwhelmingly to merge with the Chicago Teachers Union. The Chicago Alliance of Charter Teachers and Staff, Local 4343 of the American Federation of Teachers, represents a 1,000 teachers at 32 of the city's charter schools. CTU's 30,000 members are expected to vote this fall. Chris Berend is president of Local 4343. Our vote represents the fact that charter teachers are educators of the public. We face the same challenges that district schools face, budget cuts, privatization, lack of accountability, and we feel that uniting our power with district teachers is the way that all Chicago teachers can fight for what our students deserve. We've been working with them for a long time. There's been a lot of support between us, so I'm hopeful that we're able to stand together as one local to defend the students and the working families we serve. Barron feels that the CTU and Local 4343 have much in common. Risking their own livelihood in order to defend their schools and their students, that's the kind of militancy to be admired. Our members have had three overwhelming strike authorization votes this past year. In all three of those cases, the employer gave us everything we wanted. Why? Because it was reasonable what we asked. But we had to show that we were willing to shut down the schools in order for them to do what was reasonable, reasonable with taxpayer dollars. Win is made possible in part by the OPEIU, the Office and Professional Employees International Union. You've been listening to Win Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. While college and university tuitions go up and up, higher education administrators have been spending less on students' education. Today, only a quarter of higher ed faculty has secure full-time jobs. The rest are so-called adjunct faculty, hired on a per-course temporary basis, often with no benefits and are paid just $2,700 on average per course. Dedicated adjunct faculty across the country are joining together and fighting back in defense of their students' future. In Pittsburgh, they have formed the Adjunct Faculty Association, affiliated with United Steelworkers Union. 
Adjuncts and students all over the city are joining the AFA to achieve the goal of providing high-quality, affordable higher education. To know more or to support Pittsburgh's adjunct faculty, give us a call at 412-562-6967 or find us on the web at usw.org. Again, that's 412-562-6967 or usw.org. Together, we can take higher education back. We are the BCTGM, the union representing bakery workers. We have been joining forces with our members and thousands of community partners across America to end corporate exploitation of workers across the globe. Our campaign has its roots with the Mondelez Nabisco's firing of 600 workers at its Chicago bakery and replacing them with workers earning poverty wages in Mexico. College and university student activists have reached out to our global campaign, and the BCTGM is proud to welcome the more than 20 million students across America as partners in defeating this greed-based business model. Student voices have changed the world, and these future community and national leaders will add energy and heightened spirit to the BCTGM's consumer boycott of Mexican-made Nabisco products. Join the fight. Help change the world. Invite the Nabisco 600 team to your campus by visiting fightforamericanjobs.org. Follow us on Facebook at Nabisco 600 BCTGM Local 300. Sing a pager is what it's and called. Welcome back, everyone, to Bottom Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk. And many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks. Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain name registration. Pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. And this week our special guest is Dr. Craig Malkin, who has written a book called Rethinking Narcissism, which is going to go into another printing a little bit later. And we, we learned a little bit about narcissism and its opposite, uh, echoism, in the last segment. But, of course, uh, Dr. Malkin, everybody wants to talk about Donald Trump. When you say narcissism, <laughs> the first thing you hear about why? is Donald Trump. Well, gee, why? Yeah. <laughs> And although the name of the show is Healthcare Politics, I have to confess that those of us who were hoping for the best with regard to this new presidency are beginning to see that his quirky uh, personality is getting in the way of getting anything done uh, by either side. Uh, so let's talk about that. You are actually part of a book writing uh, or an author of a chapter, I believe, in a book that's called The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Correct me if I've got that wrong. Are you participating in something like that? Yes, I am. Uh, the manuscript is already in, and you can pre-order The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump on Amazon right now. Uh, it's coming out. It could come out earlier, uh, but it's, it's scheduled for October 3rd. And some great, a great lineup of... Phil Zimbardo, who did the Stanford Prison Study Experiment, if people aren't familiar with who he is, Noam Chomsky, Judith Herman, who's a trauma expert, myself, you're going to, so, and so many others who contributed to this book. Uh, and of course, my chapter is about pathological narcissism. Well, Dr. Malkin, I went up to Harrisburg a few weeks ago when Donald Trump had his uh, celebration, his rally celebrating his 100th day in office and I, I interviewed 26 people waiting in that line and I have to tell you they love this man and when he mm. says when he says he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not lose any votes that's it's absolutely true 
Mm-hmm. And when a group of uh, psychologists uh, such as yourself, you know, and you got together in Yale with a group of about two dozen of your peers, is that is that what happened? I actually missed the conference, but I've been part of the conversation all along. Well, I'll tell you what, what I'm hearing, and I, one of our themes to the show is we dare to be reasonable. And that means don't just be a smart aleck or glib. Try and understand what the other person's point of view is. And so I'm, I'm going to sort of play their role. Uh, I'm going to pretend like I'm one of those 26 people that stood in line. I'm going to say, there you go again, all of you smarty pants liberals, putting down my president just because he doesn't say what you want to hear. Um, obviously... Uh, that's not what you're thinking. And other people would say, this is just like what you did with Goldwater back in 1964. You tried to make him seem like the other, like he was a dangerous person, when really you just disagreed with his politics. So I'm going to give you a shot here to, to defend this work that's coming out here. I'm sure it'll be a big hit. People will buy it in big numbers. But defend the whole project. Here it is, a psychologist talking about a person most of you have never even met. It's a really important project, and this is one of the reasons why I agreed to be a part of it, because uh, there's a lot at stake when somebody is president of the United States or even an important leadership or political position. And the gold, Goldwater, of course, just for people who aren't familiar, the, the listeners out there ran for president, and all these mental health experts came out and said, I believe they said he was dangerous, dangerously mentally ill. Uh, He was an extremely bold, charismatic, impulsive guy. Uh, And they all got sued successfully. So now we have something called the Goldwater Rule, which is an ethics code. I actually abide by the ethics code in my chapter. I don't diagnose Donald Trump. There's plenty we can say without diagnosing him. So the question the book gets into, and what's so important is... uh, when when do we have to question the Goldwater rule? We have people who are in high-security jobs who routinely are required to have some kind of assessment uh, where they – and I've actually done those kinds of assessments where I have to fill out paperwork, et cetera, to, for the person to get security clearance. And yet we don't have anything in place like that for President of the United States. And the reason that's such a big problem, I'm going to speak from my perspective that I go into such detail on rethinking narcissism. The the reason it's such a problem is that, according to research, the vast majority of presidents and politicians are narcissists, meaning they're high enough on the trait of narcissism, that drive to feel special, that we we would call them narcissists. They, they, They often score off the scale. The question is, how much healthy narcissism do they have and how much unhealthy? hugely important question because the more addicted of course somebody becomes to feeling special the more they lie steal cheat do whatever it takes in order to continue to feel that way if it's to feel important or superior again there's other ways to do it Um, and the research shows if you look at the more narcissistic presidents become the more likely they are to undergo impeachment proceedings because we have enough data to show that to use to abuse power so this is an extremely important question well it's it's an extremely important question in in an even broader context uh, if you think about the united states 
I'm beginning to wonder if we're developing a narcissistic personality disorder uh, because our president is out there uh, going around saying things that are so contrary to what we spent the last 50 years trying to accomplish in terms of showing some empathy for others around the world. And I, I wonder if, if that's something uh, your group has thought about, that the, that the strength and sheer willpower of this particular narcissist is imposing its will on the whole country and how we're perceived around the world. Absolutely, and also just the way we're relating to each other, which I've done what I can to try to address in articles and even my presence on social media. I'm going to be very clear about that, which is even if somebody isn't pathologically narcissistic, and actually that's not even the question with Donald Trump or any other president or politician, it's are they functionally impaired. We don't want to stigmatize mental illness. This isn't about a diagnosis. Uh, this is about whether or because I've seen people who are psychotic, meaning they, they are, have lost touch with the reality and believe, for example, they have a device implanted in their teeth, have happy, healthy relationships, and hold down a job, they can function. Functional impairments are where it, it comes to the point where it causes huge problems in their lives and other people's lives and they can't get along. That's really what we're, we're talking about here. Um, and help me, I, I might have lost track of your question. Oh, I, I went off on my own frolic and detour there. No, just go ahead. Trying to project Donald Trump's uh, personality uh, on the whole country, at least how we're perceived. Oh, yeah, no, that, that's, that's a great question. So thank you. I, I just needed to be brought back. And so one of the problems is the more narcissistic someone becomes, whether it's pathological or not, the more likely they are to cope they don't like to acknowledge when they're uncomfortable or feeling vulnerable, so instead they see the world as attacking them. It's something called splitting. The enemy's outside of me, and I need to destroy it. Well, boy, boy, that sounds familiar. <laughs> That's a yeah, frightening statement. Well, I'll tell you what, we're coming up but, on a break. When, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more yeah, about this, and it's not because we're, we want to pick on Donald Trump. There are millions of people ready to pick on Donald Trump, but he's our president. And I'm a little concerned about whether we're in more danger than we think. So when we come back after break, uh, please tell us as much as you ethically can, Dr. Malkin. Are we in danger? So this is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. We'll be right back. National Union of Operating Engineers Local 66 works with builders and contractors to build a better community. Local 66's tradesmen and women have received the specialty training needed to meet the complex challenges of any project, making them the most capable workforce in the region. From schools, highways, and pipeline projects to casinos and arenas, the operating engineers build any job, large or small. For over 100 years, Local 66 has provided superior service that our community can count on. They are your one-stop resource for qualified and productive operating engineers and heavy equipment mechanics. To learn more about the benefits of organized labor and more information about the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 66, go to www.iuoe66.org. That's www.iuoe66.org. 
The Sheet Metal Workers Local 12, reminding you that sheet metal is vital to technology and manufacturing in nearly every industry known to man. More information can be obtained online at smlocal12.org. That's smlocal12.org. It was 1973. Helen Reddy's song, I Am Woman, was at the top of the charts. The feminist movement was in full swing. A group of Boston women office workers started talking about how they were treated at work, how men made more money for the same jobs, how they couldn't take time off to care for their kids without putting their jobs at risk. They were feisty, empowered, and fed up. They founded 9 to 5, a membership organization of women working in low-wage jobs, inspiring a national hit song and movie. Whether it's fighting for better leave policies, for equal pay for equal work, to ban the box or strengthen the safety net, 9 to 5 is on the front lines of putting our issues on the public agenda, and they're winning big. Find out more about how they're raising the bar at www.9to5.org. That's the number 9, T-O, number 5.org. So, who's going to do what? Flashlights? Nowhere to be found. Emergency supply kits? Not packed. What about blankets? We have an old towel. Cell phones? May not work. Emergency water? Not a drop. Perfect. We all know where we're meeting if we're separated. The library. On Jones House. The bus stop. And I'll be waiting here wondering where you all are. Great. It sounds like we don't have a plan. Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov kids for tips and information. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college, which ends up making the future better for all of us. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, and our special guest this week is Dr. Craig Malkin. He's on the phone with us from Boston, Massachusetts, or it's environs. And he is the author of a book called Rethinking Narcissism and is, uh, has authored a chapter of a book that's coming up uh, for publication very soon, uh, very topical. It's called The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. And before we broke uh, from the last segment, I asked uh, a question which I really hesitated to ask, but I think we need to ask it. Based on what you and your peers who, who are writing this book called The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump are thinking, do you think the United States is in danger because we have this particular man with his particular personality as our commander-in-chief with his finger theoretically on the atomic button? That's the question. Uh, and as I said, I, I stick with I'm not going to diagnose, I'm not going to assess. So the way I do it and the way I'm going to do it in answer to your question is I'll tell you what boxes need to be checked. And then, and then everybody can think about it. Every, everybody listening can think about it. We could be in danger if we have a leader, if we have a president who's so narcissistic uh, that as their sense of specialness is challenged, right? Remember, it's like an addiction. Um, by the world, by, by people, that they have to distort reality in order to sustain their image of themselves as being special. Uh, and we saw this with Nixon. Nixon shut out information he didn't like. He 
uh, he called the media fake. Are we going through that again? Or he he trashed the media left and right, and it turned out they were they were right. And this was a guy we found out later who would who was as he started to deteriorate, talking to pictures on the wall, just as one example of how extreme it became. This is where it becomes dangerous because as somebody who is extremely narcissistic feels like their special status is slipping, they distort reality, they split the world into good and bad, there are enemies and friends, and they, 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 their judgment becomes impaired, and therefore their decision-making becomes impaired. It's what I call a, a psychotic spiral. And it's not the psychosis that's the problem, it's how it affects their decisions as leaders and the kinds of choices they make that affect the whole world and affect the country. We want somebody who's in touch with reality, or at least in touch with reality, if, if they slip away from reality sometimes, so they don't lose so much touch that it actually causes danger. Well, you know, back uh, when Nixon resigned, there were a flood of books afterwards, and several of them, Henry Kissinger and uh, Al Haig, others who were right there uh, next to him at the time, talk about their own worries and what they were doing to try and protect the country in case Nixon totally snapped. And uh, one of the concerns that we all should have, I think, is that this particular president, Donald Trump, has not surrounded himself with independent thinkers who might be sort of the circuit breaker for the rest of us. Uh, instead, he has people like uh, Jared Kushner, his uh, son-in-law, and uh, Ivanka, Trump, his daughter, who are at the very closest, and I'm not speaking figuratively, they literally have offices in the West Wing and total access to this person. And that sort of pushes out the, the more reasonable or sensible people that might have intervened. So it's um, at the risk of being too alarmist. I'm, I'm a little alarmed, to be honest with you. But let's... let's uh, Let's take a step away from that and talk about what people really care which, about, which is their own lives. If, if you're in a relationship or at work and you're dealing with a person that you think is a narcissist in a dangerous way or the, the problematic way, what can the person do? What can you do to deal with somebody that you, you're married to or maybe uh, you work for if you think they're a narcissist? Briefly, I, I realize we're short on time. The most important thing I can say, and is really, and again, this is something I emphasize in, in detail in, in rethinking narcissism, is that you want to assess your safety first, because people, people can become so narcissistic it becomes dangerous. So in, in relationships with partners, with friends even, with family, you, you want to look for what I call the three stop signs. These are signs that it's time to get help support and figure out an exit strategy how to leave a relationship and they are abuse regardless of what causes it whether it's narcissism or anything else uh, if somebody is putting you down or trying saying and doing things to make you feel like there's something wrong with your mind which is called gaslighting uh, hitting you obviously this is all abusive it's not an abuser to stop that behavior not the person being abused and until they stop, it's not safe in the relationship. And then you want to look at denial. If a person can't acknowledge in some small way they have problems, the relationship isn't going to change. And until they can acknowledge enough, even to say something like, I think there's something I'm wrong here, I think I need help, it, it can't get better. And then the third important one is psychopathy. 
so much to say about psychopathy, but briefly think of it as a pattern of remorseless lies and manipulation. And when it's combined with with extreme narcissism, that nine or ten on my spectrum, you have what's called malignant narcissism. And if you want to think of a malignant narcissist, picture Bernie Madoff, who, after he was in jail and was caught, was making fun of his investigators for not catching on sooner. He found a way to actually feel superior from jail. This is a good example of malignant narcissism. Wow. I mean, you can have find more extreme examples like Kim Jong-un and probably Vladimir Putin, too. <laughs> um, so... If you see those three stop signs, it's really time to get help. It's not about coping. It's about how, how do you get help leaving. Okay. With that, Work I'll tell you what, Dr. Malkin, I, I could go on and on. But I, I want to thank you for joining us this week, and I do want to encourage readers to pick up your book, Rethinking Narcissism, and look forward to the book, uh, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Uh, you're certainly a... a a resource that we can all lean on, but your book provides guidance if somebody finds themselves in trouble or worries that they themselves might be at the extreme end of the scale of the spectrum. They can actually get some starter guidance from just reading your book. So thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a break and have a few parting words on the other side. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. We are the BCTGM, the union representing bakery workers. We have been joining forces with our members and thousands of community partners across America to end corporate exploitation of workers across the globe. Our campaign has its roots with the Mondelez Nabisco's firing of 600 workers at its Chicago bakery and replacing them with workers earning poverty wages in Mexico. College and university student activists have reached out to our global campaign, and the BCTGM is proud to welcome the more than 20 million students across America as partners in defeating this greed-based business model. Student voices have changed the world, and these future community and national leaders will add energy and heightened spirit to the BCTGM's consumer boycott of Mexican-made Nabisco products. Join the fight. Help change the world. Invite the Nabisco 600 team to your campus by visiting fightforamericanjobs.org. Follow us on Facebook at Nabisco 600 BCTGM Local 300. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. The Alliance for Retired Americans brings activists together to educate and mobilize retirees around local, state, and national issues. Members work to strengthen three planks of retirement security, Medicare, Social Security, and pensions, and to improve the quality of life for current and future retirees. Their priorities include expanding Social Security benefits. The threats to Medicare, Social Security, and pensions are real, but the Alliance uses grassroots engagement and direct outreach to members of Congress to fight back. Recent successes include preventing a 50% Medicare premium increase that would have affected millions of retirees. 
join the Alliance today at retiredamericans.org and help ensure that seniors' issues like high prescription drug prices get the attention they deserve. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. We've got a lot of food in this country. We've got so much food that we can't eat it all. So how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids who need it. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The Sheet Metal Workers Local 12, reminding you that sheet metal is vital to technology and manufacturing in nearly every industry known to man. More information can be obtained online at smlocal12.org. That's smlocal12.org. And thank you, everyone, for joining us this week on Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. It has been a pleasure to have as our guest this week Dr. Craig Malkin, author of Rethinking Narcissism and a new book, uh, he's a contributor to a new book on Donald Trump, and that's what will be coming out here later this summer, early fall. Uh, it's a collaboration by two dozen psychologists and psychiatrists talking about our commander-in-chief, the man with his finger on the nuclear button. If that doesn't keep you up at night, then you are a great sleeper. Uh, this book is uh, very helpful also to all of us, this uh, three-thinking narcissism in trying to assess our own narcissism or echoism, the opposite, and how to deal with others. And I, I highly recommend it uh, as a tool you can use in your day-to-day -day living. So thank you so much. Uh, all of our podcasts are available at our website, healthcare-politics.com. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain registration. That's pair.com, P-A-I-R.com. Our music is courtesy of Mike Stout. Our booker is Ann McGarry. Engineering and technical support is provided by TUE Media. Remember, until next week, remember the words of Martin Luther King, of all forms of injustice, inequality in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. This has been Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, a production of Dare to be Reasonable Media, LLC.